Welcome to episode 21 of Epilogues and Epiphanies. Coming up on today's episode. I feel like there's always a phrase like that for each type that is painful but true. Like ninja pants. Listen to Taylor Swift's The Man song. I'm pretty anti-typing. I was like, gosh, these words are pointed. The two is two. I blatantly told everyone at the start, don't take a test. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of Epilogues and Epiphanies, a show where we'll explore questions about life, the universe, and being human through the lens of TV and film. In today's episode, we are continuing last time's conversation with my friend James about the Enneagram, and we are going to be talking about the heart and gut center types, which is types 2, 3, 4, and 8, 9, and 1. And we are going to talk about some characters, including Harry Potter from the Hunger Games and the Avengers. Lots of good stuff, but I definitely encourage you to check out part one first if you have not. That being said, here we go. Okay, so part two, guys. Last time we talked a little bit about what the Enneagram is. You got to know my friend James a little bit, and then we talked about the head center types. Now we're going to kick things off with the heart center, and this is a James types group, so I'm going to let him kind of kick it off and take it away. Yeah, so the heart center includes personalities in types two, three, and four. So individuals in the center are driven by emotions. They have a desire to connect with others. They navigate the world really through those relationships and they pursue their personal significance through those relationships. So that's really what helps define all three um, types of the heart center. I'm going to start off with the type two. The type two is the helper or the giver. And really the key motivation of this type is to be loved and appreciated by meeting the needs of others. So that's how they receive that love, how they receive that appreciation is through meeting the needs of others. And this has really emerged from the childhood wound that they experienced where they really only felt loved when or if they were helping and pleasing others. And so that kind of made them push their personal needs aside. They began to see personal needs as selfish. I have a, an Enneagram 2 in my life who, I mean, just reading, just reading this and preparing for this, I, it just makes me hurt because I hear this all the time. They have a hard time recognizing their own needs, let alone giving any credence to them. So because of the, that childhood wound, they, they turn to others to, you know, to fulfill you know, their need for love. There's some strengths of this type, some incredible strengths. You will love twos. If you, if you know a two, you probably love them, especially a healthy two, even an average two. You probably are in love with the way they make you feel because they have unwavering support and encouragement. They will make you feel seen and heard and valued. They will offer you support when you need it emotionally or physically. They will give you assistance. <laughs> they are on your team. They also have an, like, just a great understanding, a natural understanding of others' needs. They're intuitive. So you know that that friend who you feel like they always know, you know what's up, the the true thing that's up. That's that might be a two. There's some other types who really tend to have some great intuition, but type twos really do. They have an uncanny ability to be able to pick up on your emotional state on little cues that you don't even know that you're giving. They're so sensitive to your unspoken needs and they will try to meet those needs even when you haven't asked or maybe don't want them to meet the needs. <laughs> but the strength here is that they have intuition. And honestly, for other types who aren't self-aware, it can be helpful to have yeah. it too. Yeah. You, you said something real quick, like that 
struck with me because you said they're really good at keying in on exactly what you need and like maybe even what you don't know. They are not great at doing that for themselves. Correct. And that's the hard part. That's the part that just like is really tough and they really need some people in their lives that can do that for them because otherwise they'll just bleed themselves dry for other people and it's hard to watch sometimes. But sorry, go on. Well, that's very helpful. Yeah, so they are warm and they're positive. They're going to they're gonna light up a room when they come in. They're going to lift up spirits. They will help motivate and inspire others because, again, they're going to try and focus on the brighter side, which sometimes can make them confusing with a seven. So some twos can mistype as a seven. They are very dedicated, though. They are persistent. They will stick by you. They are going to be loyal to you because they want to help you. And so they'll go the extra mile. So when you've moved for the third time in a year, you want to call your fr- your two friend again because they will come unless you feel like they're codependent, which I'll get into in a second. You don't want to enable that codependence. But the fact is the two is going to go overboard for you time and time again. They're great at building relationships. You will love how they will actively listen and express empathy and Again, they make you feel good and warm because they are going to actually engage you where you're at with people from all walks of life. They have a genuine interest in others and they're able to connect so deep, which makes them very, very likable people. So type twos go to to a four in growth. And so that's really, they go to security, which means they become more aware and more accepting of like painful feelings. So like what Lindsay referred to a second ago, that they're not really aware of their own feelings, their own needs. When they go to four, they become more aware and they become more self-nurturing. So areas of growth and pain though, they, they really have a hard time setting healthy boundaries. They are always putting other people's needs above their own. And so you know what's going to happen. It's going to lead to burnout. They also get caught in unhealthy one-sided relationships. And so this is, this is the big word for a lot of twos on the unhealth is codependency. They get trapped in codependency where they feel like they need to be indispensable to this person. They need to meet that person's needs. And so they get their fulfillment from that person's really emotions. So if that person's down, they're down. If they're up, they're up. And so codependency is a big risk for my friends who are two. So please be aware of that if you're a two. And please don't enable codependency if you're not a two. Figure out how to healthily help them through that. They really do need help processing their emotions, as you know, Lindsay referred to. So helping them kind of identify what those are and, and then process those. Another area for growth is helping them accept themselves or two is helping you accept yourselves unconditionally to understand that your self-worth isn't what you do for others, that you, you are valuable as you are who you are. And then a final area for, for growth is twos can get so focused fulfilling others' needs that they will neglect all their own. So it's not just about their emotional needs. It's about like physical. It's about like decisions in life. Like they might actually revolve their life decisions, where they go to college, what job they take around other people's needs. And so you've got to identify your own wants, desires, and passions. You know, my, my two friends, it's good to know that twos, when they're unhealthy, move to eight. So they, this is what, this is why an unhealthy two is really hard to identify because they can become aggressive and demanding and argumentative, even controlling because they need to meet your need. And so an unhealthy two can be a little bit difficult to, to live with. So characters, there's a lot of them. And I'll, I'll hit a few here. 
It'd be awesome if you comment to Lindsay about some that you think of in the movies as well or, or TV shows. But Anna from Frozen, Hagrid from Harry Potter, Peta from Hunger Games. But I think the two is two is Samwise Gamgee. And there's this key moment where Samwise offers to carry the ring. He says, I can carry it if you need me to. And even though he qualifies it, if you need me to, Frodo thinks Samwise is trying to take the ring from him because he doesn't understand Samwise. <laughs> um, he doesn't know Samwise's motivation. Samwise would not have even perceived that as a possibility because his true motivation was to serve and help Frodo accomplish the quest before him. So I think there's probably little misunderstanding sometimes. We don't know a two's motivation. And so it's important for us to understand that they're they're doing this. You know, why did Samwise do this? Because he wants to be loved and appreciated by meeting Frodo's needs. And then, of course, at the end of the movie, in book, he literally carries Frodo up Mount Doom to throw the ring into the fire. So he not only carries Frodo's needs, he carries Frodo. I mean, that is mm-hmm. <laughs> very, yeah. very too. The two right? is too. Well, the next type is my type. It's the it's the dun, dun, dun. three, the achiever or the performer. And so the key motivation for my, my people are to achieve success and recognition, becoming valuable in the eyes of others. Another way I heard it say once that was was true but painful was to succeed or to appear to be successful. <laughs> and so I feel like there's always a phrase like that for each each type that is, is painful, but true. The childhood wound really comes from feeling a lack of worth or value aside from accomplishments. And so for me, for instance, I grew up in a very affirming home. And so, you know, I think honestly, that's what part of what my wound is from is I was so affirmed that I felt like I've got to be the best, you know, I have to be the best at everything. And so when you think about the word competition, a lot of times Enneagram threes, they're not even competing against you. They're competing against themselves. And so to succeed, is not it's not about succeeding over you. It's about succeeding themselves. And I think that's maybe a misunderstanding sometimes of threes. So really these Enneagram threes, it's really, you're really driven by ambition, success. You want to use your natural gifts to address potential challenges and overcome them. And you can help others do that. So Enneagram threes are some some of the strengths as they're goal-oriented and driven. They are fueled by an internal, just an internal fire. You think about Tony Stark, which I'll talk about as an example. You know, he just is always driven, right? He never stops. It's not about everybody else. He'll never stop trying to win the battles to succeed. And it's not just for him. It's for the greater good of all, but it's also for him. Let's be clear. We are efficient and we are practical. We love to get to the point. You know, we want to get the thing done. You know, one thing I read said that we are organizational wizards. And so we want to streamline things. We want to make them effective and efficient. And I just had a meeting for this missions organization I work with. And I, ahead of time, I made these spreadsheets and cleaned it all up. And I got on there and there's another Enneagram 3 on there. And he's like, do you mind if I start doing these things to your spreadsheet? You know, like he wanted it to be more efficient and more, you know, and I was like, this is, this is, I I actually loved it. Jeremy, I'm like, yes, great idea. Add those lines in, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. add the grid line, but they are motivational inspiring. You know, when there's a healthy three, you want them around because they will motivate you. They will, they, they're going to exude confidence and they're going to bring enthusiasm and they're going to help not just push the limits of their ability, but also yours to try to achieve great things together. 
They're adaptable and versatile. This is something that can also be on the negative side, just to be clear. Threes, you know, on the on the on the shadow side could be considered chameleons at times, but it can also be a strength because they can be quick learners and highly adaptable. You know, for me, I'm in my third industry, if you will. I was a pastor, I was in the hiring industry, and now I'm in higher ed. And usually, you know, I was in my job in higher ed for one year and was presenting at a conference and someone's like came up to me who'd been in it for 15 years. And they were like, man, all these young people who are just new to the, to the admissions world don't know what we've been through. And I was like, you know, yeah, but I'm like, wow. Like looking back now, I'm like, wow, that was so Enneagram three. I had like read everything, went to every conference within a year. People were like, oh man, we've been in this forever. Haven't we together, James? And threes, you know, I think another one that overlaps with a couple other types, you know, so this is not unique to threes, but one final strength is they tend to be pretty articulate and persuasive. They're great communicators. And this is really how they help do a lot of their influencing, how they help build consensus among people to accomplish things. Threes tend to be leaders. They tend to try to, they're doing these things and it is for themselves to succeed, but a lot of times it is to help a, a group of people succeed to lead a team. Now in, in growth and health, they move to a six, which is known as security is the core motivation. So really what that looks like is that really the three becomes more cooperative, more committed to others, making sure they're bringing them along. So it's not just their success, it's the communal success. And they become more aware of their feelings and drop their masks. So I didn't talk about masks, but this moves into the area of growth and pain. And Enneagram 3 tends to wear masks. They, coming back to that adaptability, flexibility, versatility, they tend to show different parts of themselves in different scenarios. And that can be crazy helpful. You know, for me, I still am involved in youth ministry. And so I can like go lead youth group games. I do on Wednesday nights at my kids' youth group. I can go do that for 30 minutes. And then I can put on a suit and go meet with, you know, a donor somewhere at a fancy restaurant. And so I can put on these different things. The The issue is when a three begins to not be able to identify who they really are. Who are you really when you take the masks off? And what are your core motivations? As recently, someone said to me, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, like, you know, like, what is your, what are your career aspirations? And I, I mean, recently, meaning three or four years ago, and I was like, oh, I, I literally don't know. I don't know if the things that I strive to do or the things that are on my mind are things that I want or things other people told me that I want. That things that other people have said, you're good at this. And so you should, you should want to do this, or this is, this must be where you're headed. And so that, that reflects really an area of growth where threes have a hard time connecting with authenticity. Like who is their authentic, true self? They also struggle cultivating vulnerability and intimacy often because they have this drive for success. And so it really limits their ability sometimes to form deep connections because they don't have time for that. This has been something a little different for me. And my wife and I, honestly, when we went through the Enneagram three, the first time she's like, honestly, the, the, the areas of growth don't connect with you for me. She's like, and she's like, I hate to say it, but she's like, you might just be a healthy three. And what's been fun, honestly, the longer we've gone, the more we've understood some of these Enneagram mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. areas of growth and understood, oh mm-hmm. no, I do reflect this. Do you know what I mean? It maybe mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. glaring negative element of it, right. but there's- But like shades of it. There's yeah. shades of it in me, Yeah. So mm-hmm. Enneagram threes have a hard time embracing rest and self-care. Guilty. I have a hard time relaxing and, and most of us do. Taking time to nourish our mind and our body and our spirit. 
we, you know, we really struggle to recognize, you know, when competition is driving us in unhealthy ways. We can get in just this constant loop of comparing ourselves to others and feeling like we need to be better personally or better than them. And then one final one final one, we really our fear of failure leads us to be really overly critical of ourselves and others. Oh my goodness, this hit this hit me as my wife and I were preparing, looking through this stuff together. Threes have a hard time embracing imperfections and allowing for mistakes because we have a hard time admitting that there are imperfections and mistakes. <laughs> and with my family, I finished my my doctoral program, my PhD this past summer. And so I have way more time with our family right now, which I love. But my wife and I have just been talking about how I've been so critical, how I'm like making all these comments. I want to fix this and change this and about the kids, about her, about me, about us, about the family. And I, I realized, oh my goodness, when we were studying this, I, I was like, oh my goodness, I've become so overly critical because I'm having a hard time dealing with imperfections and mistakes in me and my kids and my parenting and my life as a husband, you know? And so really what we have to do as threes is try to become more forgiving and have more of a growth mindset. So essentially a, a less healthy three become looks more like a nine. So you can be con- become complacent, self-doubting, apathetic. You can disengage. I see this when I'm, it's a good sign of when I'm feeling depressed or unhealthy, all of a sudden someone will notice I'm like playing video games or something. Cause I just don't do that. I, I don't <laughs> invest my time right. that way. For me, it's more like a game on my phone. I don't have games on my phone because right. they're inefficient. They keep right. me from productivity. So when I'm doing that, which honestly, we just came through Christmas, we're on Christmas break. That's when I generally do that. If I'm doing mm-hmm. that outside of a break time, we're like, okay, right. teams might yeah. be drifting towards right. a nine. So some characters, Tony Stark, Jer- you know, so Iron Man, Jerry Maguire mm-hmm. is an iconic mm-hmm. three that moves through the journey from mm-hmm. unhealth towards health. That's a great movie mm-hmm. for a three. Yeah. That is a good one. I didn't think about that one. It's a really great three movie. Buzz Lightyear goes through this journey. Tiana from Princess and the Frog and Lightning McQueen is, you know, an iconic. Barnum, uh, Barnum in The Greatest Showman is a great example. One of my favorite moments because it is moments because it is iconic is in The Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is a wonderful film. He literally in the scene says to his wife, it's just the two of them on the screen, I think I have this thing where I need everybody to think I'm the greatest. And if they aren't completely knocked out and dazzled and kind of intimidated by me, then I do not feel good about myself. That helps you understand what's going on inside the mind of a three. You have anything to add, Lindsay? I I think what is interesting is I feel like it took you and I a minute to like find each other when we started working together. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it is the way these types kind of collide because I'm not probably as like warm or expressive or excited about people. And Mm. so if you maybe didn't feel that from me, you were like, what's her deal on you? Whereas I'm just trying to get a read on everyone in the situation because I was the new one. And so it is interesting how some of these types interact with each other because like there are some types that might play more into making the needs of one type feel better than another. And that's sometimes how we find our friends or we find our partners. They make us feel the good. They help meet those needs. 
but it can take a minute for other types to get a read of each other because of maybe not inherently naturally meeting that need in the moment that that's where like you know you said you hang out with a lot of sevens sevens are are probably better at that than than a mm. type 1 is and so that kind of makes sense why you would maybe gravitate more towards twos or sevens um and that kind of thing yeah versus like um i'm just like i hope he thinks i'm doing a good job <laughs> like yeah. you know what i mean like yep. that was probably more what my brain was doing rather than like trying to like be super like social and bubbly in the moment kind of thing. Yeah, that um, makes sense. So, yeah, I don't know. I just that that fantastic Mr. Fox quote and the fact that you said that like felt like it encapsulated things <laughs> just kind of made me think about how those like types relate and I was like I probably don't make anyone feel like like I have had my socks knocked off or whatever by then, you know what I mean? Because I'm just very like reserved most of the time. So that was interesting. But yeah, no, that's you pick some really good characters, like the ones that I wouldn't have thought of, which was cool. What you're saying makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm thinking about other Enneagram ones that I've worked with. I think another thing that happens with ones and threes, they're both driven to succeed. So they're both mm -hmm. like driven to, you know, they, they both tend to be highly productive. And I like what you said earlier, especially in Western culture, at least we are. And mm -hmm. so what I've seen though, sometimes they collide because mm -hmm. they, they love that they're both moving in that direction. So they, they love each other's work ethic. And, you know, like in StrengthsFinder mm -hmm. language, the achiever, which is the achiever mm -hmm. in StrengthsFinder, that description really defines an Enneagram 3 well as, as well. But what happens is the Enneagram 3 doesn't want to do that extra meeting, doesn't want to write that, you know, five-page memo. They want to go do the thing. Right. And the Enneagram 1's like, well, no, we need mm -hmm. to just go through all these steps and get this all done. And Thor do thoroughness. Right. Like, the, yes. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, no, we're, mm -hmm. okay, we're already do, we already did it. Let's just do it and let's move on to the next thing, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the victory for an Enneagram 3, the like a victory doesn't last forever. Mm -hmm. You know, a victory, an accomplishment, it, it's going to fade. It's it's time for mm -hmm. what's next, you know, so. <clears throat> yeah, no, that that makes sense that I, I've heard it said on other podcasts where they might be heading towards the same goal, but a three might be willing to cut some steps or skip some things. Yes. And the one is like, no, these are absolutely necessary. Exactly. And here's why. <laughs> and so that's, yeah, for exactly. sure. No, that makes total sense. That yep. is true. And that's one of those yep. things that's hard as a three to like admit like that. And I think, again, that's something that's different about me as a three is like, I'm kind of okay admitting that with people and saying, let's just lean into our strengths. Make sure I don't cut the right, mm -hmm. the wrong steps. Do you know what I mean? Like I want right. to be still yeah. Yeah, but then there's sometimes yeah. I need to be told like, hey, that that might like in a perfect world be a good thing to do, but we can probably achieve the outcome we need to achieve without it. And so and so then for me, like, you know, having like adapting to, okay, this is the group goal. And then like, we don't have to do it the Lindsay way, <laughs> like yeah. which is probably a little extra sometimes. But yeah. Yeah, that's good. So 
the the Enneagram four, it is the individualist or the romantic. And so the key motivation for this personality type, which is my wife, is to be unique and authentic and to find significance in their identity. This really comes from a childhood wound with where they felt abandoned possibly by one or both caretakers. Once again, this is not a childhood wound my wife particularly connects to. She has amazing parents. And so we're still figuring out what, what that one is. But for most Enneagram 4s, they felt alone or cut off from the source of love for reasons they, they really couldn't understand. So they, as a result, they started turning towards inward feelings um, and imagination to cope with that isolation. And so as a result, they have some pretty awesome strengths. <laughs> so they tend to have great emotional depth um, and empathy. They really dive into their emotions, their own and yours probably. They, they understand how complex human feelings can be more than most of us ever will, which makes them incredible like listeners and people who are able to express with words. And which leads to they are creative powerhouses. So fours are like naturally creative and drawn to artistic things like music and art and visual arts. My wife, you know, always knew she was a writer, but majored in accounting because someone told her that's how she could make money. And then we sent her through a master's of fine arts program in creative nonfiction because she rediscovered her passion, you know, in, in, her, in our thirties. And man, it's just incredible the things she can write. I could just never, I can't, I can't never do it. It's just, it's amazing. Be, partly because of the the commitment it takes and the you know the dedication to just it's hard stuff and you have to access a very deep part of you but their strong emotions fuel inspiration for the rest of us it's so authentic so impactful they are seekers of authenticity that's another strength they will be true to themselves and they're going to hope that you will be as well in everything they do they're not to conform going to conform to societal expectations so they will they're not going to wear masks so this is where they are like so counter the three. They will be who they are. And I think the healthy, well, the healthier they get, which to me a lot might be correlated to age sometimes, the more they become that. And I've seen that with my wife. I've seen this in other fours where everyone else thinks they just totally changed from their 20s to their 40s. And I'm like, no, they're just emerging. They are being more willing to put down these masks and refuse to conform. So, you know, sometimes you can, I think my wife would say this, you could be like, oh, you'll see someone who's dressed differently or has unique hair or whatever has, you know, interesting clothes like my wife does, like ninja pants, you know, and you'll be like, Enneagram 4. Sometimes we'll be typing them by their clothing, you know. Um, they are introspective and they are self-aware. So they're always in this dialogue in their heads. They're in this inner world. They're analyzing thoughts and feelings and motivations for both them and for others, but mostly for them. And so that that's a good thing because they really truly do understand who they are sooner than most other people do. And then they're not content with the status quo. And so they are visionary. They are, they are idealistic. And they actually believe that the world could be filled with beauty, meaning, and depth. And so when they're healthy, they're trying to obtain that for not just them, but for others. So they move to a one in, in growth, which is security, which means, or sorry, they move to a one in growth. So their security, when they feel secure, they move to a one. And this can you know, mean that they become more objective, more principled, more disciplined, more grounded. So they're not so more free flowing, which probably makes more sense if I would have talked about that after I talked about the areas of, of challenge for them. 
So the areas of challenge for them really are getting into action. That's that's the first one is they can get stuck in their heads, just kind of ruminating on their thoughts and feelings. And and so that leads some some missed opportunities for them. They also have a hard time accepting imperfection. So they have a strong desire for authenticity and self-expression. So they, it can make them pretty highly critical of themselves, really, really mostly of themselves. But sure, it can be for others, but it really is more related to their shame and inadequacy. They're, they tend to be very private. And so they may withdraw from others when they feel vulnerable. They don't need you to be in that inside world of theirs. They're fine being there. So they can have a hard time connecting to others. Um, they love the extraordinary so they can be dissatisfied with ev- with the everyday. So they have a hard time find, you know, finding meaning in like ordinary things. They need to understand there's beauty and meaning in ordinary moments. You know, my wife at one point said to me, like, my wife will come up with these like big things like, oh, I, I, I'd love it if we could have a villa in in Italy someday. Do you know what I mean? And and I'm like, oh. as an Enneagram 3, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got to figure out how we can have a villa in Italy someday. Right, right. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> and she's like, well, at one point when we got into an Enneagram, she said, you understand, I don't think we're going to have that villa and I don't need that, but I like to create these worlds. I like to think about that world, that possibility, that what that would feel like. But yeah, no, I think too that that's really cool because I think as a three, you between the four and the three, what could happen is okay. What about that villa? Like gets you like excited, and you could figure out okay, how can we achieve what the villa feels like? Mm. You know, in a way that maybe we could actually have it, and then like that feeling of the villa because to her the villa means something more emotionally than the actual villa yep and that's so interesting but before she just wants to create that world because i'm like you i'm like okay but what's the practice of yeah like how do i get to that let's, like real physical goal <laughs> let's get that villa and there are so many examples of this yeah. throughout our marriage <clears throat> where i like sometimes achieved that dream do you know what i mean and this was very freeing it relieved a lot of stress to understand that and we come back to that times so i'm like wait is this just a a dream <laughs> like is this a villa <laughs> yes is this a villa that's funny. So, you know, really when when a two is unhealthy, they move towards traits, the negative traits of a two. They become more people-pleasing. They try to buy others' love, kind of test the strength of a relationship. So this is something Kelly and I realized. I didn't realize, but one day she said we were in like a, a fight uh, and she said, you know, I feel like, and, and I'm like, where did this come from? I thought everything was good. And she's like, you know, I think maybe this is me just needing to test the strength of our relationship. And she's like, so I think I was poking. And recently we were in a fight and I'm like, is this from you you testing <laughs> this or is this real? Am I really? And honestly, as I was preparing for this, I'm like, nope, this was just me being in my negative space that I just talked about a little bit ago of not accepting imperfections and mistakes in my family. It's also know? interesting, I think, even internally to know and have these understanding of these different types because for me, and we talked about this a little bit before we recorded like the one in we'll get into that later but the type one in stress or can be unhealth but in stressful situations can go to the four and like you can talk about the 
healthy ones can get really into the negative sides of that. But I also see like some of these movements, even the ones where we're moving to the um, stressful number. Like I think if we are healthy, we can use the strengths of that that stress number to like help us along. And so for me, like to be able to have more um, emotional like empathy for myself in that four side of things to like process what's going on and slow down because ones are very much like threes. We want to keep moving. We want to keep doing the thing. We don't want to be like bogged down, but like the the four side makes me stop and sit. And it also helps me see like you're talking about that beauty and those kinds of things where like I could get stuck on the imperfections. I could get stuck on the efficiency and the to-do list. Um, And I think having had a lot of insane Job level stressful events in my 20s has really colored in the four side of me in a way that you were saying all these things and I'm like, am I a four? (laughs) Because like I very much, I mean, emotional depth and empathy, like in my like late 20s and now my early 30s, like this, like access to creativity, like I'm very much about authenticity. I'm very much like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. Like, you know, and that introspection, that like that idealism, like all of that really resonates, but it's all in there. It's just a different like posture that I move into at different times. But my motivation is still very much comes from that, that wanting to be perfect and kind of like beyond reproach side of a one. But like having access to this creativity of a four, I think helps me be healthier and be more compassionate than I might naturally be if all I had was the one part of me. But yeah, fours are, fours are, I can rock with some fours. I, I feel like I I have a I have a lot of four friends and they are just I love it like it's so fun like just the the things they see and the things they come up with and like like you were saying the they they have access to that deep level and like you're talking about movies that make you feel something a lot of those movies or those moments were crafted by some fours who had really clear access and were able to paint that really vividly that kind of created this creative portal for the rest of us to find our own feelings again yeah because they were willing to go there and share it and so we need that a lot of us other types that aren't maybe as naturally attuned to yeah. what's going on we need those moments so and that's love some, some fours that's something that as a three married to four we have to be aware of is there's times kelly can't watch that kind of movie where i want it to mm-hmm. i want mm-hmm. to watch that right. movie yes. to access yes. the emotion and to feel i always say mm-hmm. i just want to feel mm-hmm. something yeah. And and she, you know, but for her that could just last. For an Enneagram three, you can watch this mm-hmm. like like this mo- this movie that just like rips you apart, and then that two hours later, someone co- you know someone who was watching with you comes in and be like, "Man, wasn't that heavy?" And you're like, "What? What, what happened?" And they're what are like, we talking they're like about? the movie yeah. we yeah. just watched." I'm like, "Oh, I've moved on to mm-hmm. 15 other things since then." And yeah. so the four uh-huh. it can wreck their week, you know. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. so that's where I'm like, am I a four? <laughs> <laughs> so some characters, which I think there could be a lot more to, to explore here. I think fours are sometimes a little mm-hmm. harder to pick out in, in movies, mm-hmm. but Scarlet Witch is one. They say, mm-hmm. I, I've seen some people say Scarlet Witch would be one. Luna Lovegood from Harry Potter. And she's kind of like the mm-hmm. prototypical image of a four, you know, like she kind of is like, right. you yeah. know, she, she dresses different and looks different and she's a little bit sad, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. But they, I've also saw a lot of places this 
said Ron Weasley is what it would be a four, and really because hot take, hot take, because he's characterized, but it you know it's really the reason would be because of his struggle with envy and forced him to mm-hmm. to struggle mm-hmm. with envy, and so mm-hmm. Ron Weasley is a possibility there. But the one I I'm going to share a moment about what is Arwen from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and there is a reel that I that I saw at one point that that talked about her, and I was like, oh my word, like. You know, there's throughout the entire movie, she just is like, she's always talking like this. There's always like this drama to it. I mean, like, you know, it's always this effect on her voice. And, you know, she's, and the one thing said, they they don't think she even smiled to the last scene she was in, you know. But, oh my gosh, that's funny. There's this epic scene where Arwen gives the the this necklace that she has to Aragorn, sim- you know, her love interest, symbolizing that she's sacrificing her immortality in order to live and eventually die with him. That is so four, mm-hmm. because fours just like love deeply. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, they're very they're going to feel all that emotion. She says, "I would rather yeah. live one lifetime with you than face all the ages of this world alone." So she goes against mm-hmm. like at this moment the expectations and norms of her entire elven mm-hmm. community, including mm-hmm. their immortality. She goes against her father's wishes right. who tries to fight her on this and chooses to live and die with her love interest. So one commentator yeah. said that I listened to said she chooses to then quote, do her own thing and look sad doing it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. No, even though that, yeah. And also I think a four would like the romanticism of the idea of loving so big that I'm willing to die for it. You know what I mean? Like there was authenticity sure. in her choice, but there's also this like big meta picture of this thing that I'm doing and like kind of loving that like dark romantic concept a little bit, the the drama of it a little bit. So yeah, yeah no, that's very, very four-ish of her for sure. It's yeah, I, I didn't think about that character at yeah. all because I be honest, I I don't watch those movies very often. <laughs> Matt wishes we watched them all the time. But I'm not as but when you said that I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up, the gut center or the instinct center. So this is my my crew. These are the personality types of eight, nine, and one. We are driven kind of by instincts or gut feelings, just kind of this like intuition. We're very like justice oriented. We want to have control and we like order. So the first number I'm going to talk about here is the type eight, which is the challenger. And one of my really good friends is one of our good friends Mm -hmm. is a type eight. And she is one of my absolute favorite humans in the whole world. And so the key motivation for type eights is to be in control or protect themselves and others from vulnerability. And you just to tie this back to your sleeping at last thing. If you listen to the eight song, man, it feels like an eight song, like right out the gate compared to a lot of the other ones. It's very like there's kind of like this like beat and there's a little bit of this like intensity and a little bit of severity right out the gate. That's kind of like everything else is a little more ethereal a lot of times I feel like with his music. But the eight song, I definitely feels like it puts you on your guard a little bit. And that's because these kids often grew up feeling like they had to grow up. They had to be tough, like because, you know, I got to take care of me and everyone else because who else is going to do it? And so they didn't feel like they had a safe place to land or had a 
a safe space for that vulnerability and maybe even felt like they were a little bit controlled. So they're trying to take back that control a lot. So they're really focused on not showing that weakness or vulnerability. They're really good at getting crap done. Like <laughs> very good. Yeah. They're very assertive and decisive. They're also super protective and loyal. They will, if you are on their team, like man, they will defend you and they will like stick with you no matter what. They are super independent and resourceful because, you know, needing other people is kind of a weakness and a vulnerability. And they've learned you can't really always count on people. So they're also super passionate and kind of like engaging because they have so much passion about what they believe in that they want to share that with other people. They'll also be really honest and direct, which is why I love them mm-hmm. because I I like not having to play games. I like knowing what I'm getting into and just being able to know that we can kind of skip skip the pleasantries, so to speak, and just get right to the important stuff. I feel like is why you know some of these types together in this group tend to get along a little bit more. Obviously, there's some issues with. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, related to these strengths, like I think that this is where a three and a seven sometimes can be confused with, you know, with an eight because of the passion mm-hmm. and charisma and. Mm-hmm, you know I mean, like mm-hmm. there's, you and I know these differences as you get in. And one is what you just mm-hmm. said, the honest and directness, you know, if you're an unhealthy three, you're never going to go there, you know, like if, and as a seven, mm-hmm. you're never going to go there. <laughs> you know I mean, like you're rarely going right. get, to get to that. And so I feel like the eights get a bad rap. And so before we go to the areas of growth, mm-hmm. I just want to say like, when you have a healthy eight in your life, like you're so grateful They're the for best. them. the best. You know what I mean? Yes, because you know some people don't want to be led, but if you know we all we we all do need to be led at times, and eights are great at helping do that and helping groups of people accomplish so much because they're not afraid. They're not afraid to go do things that the rest of us might be a little timid intimidated to do because of a fear or failure. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good point. And the eights in their healthy part, which I realize I don't have in my notes here, they go to two. So, you know, they can be very caregiving. They can really look out for you and use some of that strength and tenacity to really show up for their people in a really like oh, insanely yeah. uh, meaningful way. And then they, yeah, no, these, these are people that if you have them on your team, you know, you have them on your team and they're probably on your team for life and they are are definitely going to have your back and probably in ways you don't even know or weren't anticipating. But like, yeah, and they, the honest and directness, not afraid to go there thing. I, I am a little bit that way. And I also, in being stoic, I think people don't know what I'm thinking all the time if they aren't super close to me. And so sometimes that can make people a little bit, I think, intimidated by me because they don't know what's going on. And so I feel like there's not a lot of people in my life that are really direct or like tell me what Mm -hmm. to do because they also know I've usually got a plan and an intent, you know, like all these things. My friend Brooke, who is (laughs) whom I love, will tell me what to do when I need someone to tell me what to do in a way that like, you know, I had some stuff going on a couple years ago and she was like, here's what you need to do. You need to call this person. You need to do this. And, you know, like I was just like in stress mode and she wasn't afraid to get in there and say, here's the practical steps of what you need to do and you need to do it. And I'm going to follow up with you in an hour if you haven't done it. And like, all this kind of stuff in just like the best way. But in that, you know, that like directness and tenacity, sometimes they can kind of get caught up in that go, go, go and that like drive 
drive and forget to take care of themselves. And they also can forget to let people in. So they might look out for you and see you, but they might not always know they need someone to ask about them or ask about, you know, this thing that happened or they have difficulty opening up there. They don't let a lot of people in. So if you are in with an eight, it's a huge deal. You, you have like, you know, you've passed a really hard test. And so it's kind of an honor and don't take it lightly and be gentle with them because they do need that as well, even though they don't want you to think they do. They don't want you to think they need anyone to be gentle with them or, yeah. or concerned about them, but they, they do need those things. And they can be a little impatient sometimes that they're not as healthy because they are so driven and you know, they move quickly. They're decisive. They're not afraid. So why are you wasting our time with these questions and these things and blah, blah, blah? I've already decided what we need to do and we're going to go do it kind of thing. So that's a little bit of struggle for them there. Sometimes they can go a little bit too far into that five isolation mode and kind of get a little bit just in their own world. And and that isolation, I think, is the best word I can think of because they have those walls and they, you know, can tend to get into a mode where they don't want to let people on the other side of them. I think Mm -hmm. Katniss Everdeen is a really good example of that. She's very much like, I think even that childhood wound, you know, we get to know that about her story a little bit. Like she kind of lost her dad and he was, you know, the mom is not necessarily the best like caretaker having her back, like handling this crazy world that they live in. And so Katniss says, all right, it's me, let's go. And she takes care of everyone. And then, you know, that leans to her taking care of her sister and jumping in just like instinctively, like, of course I would do this because, you know, I'm not going to let this happen to my sister. She's so much more important than me and I'm so much tougher and braver than this situation. Like, I think Katniss might have thought from the beginning, I think I can win this thing. And so, you know, she's definitely got that tenacity of the eight, which I love so much. But yeah, it is it is hard. I will say I want to speak to the unfortunate bad rap that I feel like female eights mm-hmm. can get because we don't tend to culturally, there's a a lot of reticence to a direct, not soft, instinctively female, which is unfortunate because, you know, we're all just people. We should be allowed to be whatever people we are. But there is a lot more friction and they do kind of get, you know, these bad monikers when really if we would let them be who they're going to be, like they could probably take us to the moon, you know, like so it's I, I would just say, you know, if you feel like maybe there's an eight type in your life that's a female and maybe you, you know, have had some negative thoughts. I would encourage you to check your own biases because we all have them. They're cultural. We're always undoing them. And, you know, just being aware of that because, you know, we we think, I think it's in Taylor Swift's, listen to Taylor Swift's The Man song basically is what you need to do. Because the eight, the female eights are the man, but we're worried about what she said and what she wore and those kinds of things. And so that's just something culturally that I, I think we all need to, you know, male or female, we need to be aware of that we're not being unfair to people based on gender, for sure. There's there's a lot of differences in the way these numbers can show up based on whether you're male or female. And so, mm-hmm. like, we have at work, we did the, oh, what is that one where it's like, dominance, 
social what is that typing system disc? yes disc the so disc, we do that at yeah. we do that at work and i am eagle owl which the eagle is very dominant like driven like go do it and then the owl i'm like half and half so like the owl is the perfectionist with all the detail so i'm the weird personality type that's always locked in this struggle of like do it yesterday but it needs to be perfect and so but like a lot of people when i got there they're like oh you're definitely a dove you're definitely which is like the the relationship people focused first like kind of soft really relational type and I dove yeah. is my bottom one but everyone was sure I was a dove and I I literally hadn't taken the assessment yet and I was like I don't know what this test is yet but I can assure you I'm probably not a dove because I'm like <laughs> mm, that doesn't sound like anything that's going on here and so like for me I learned really early on that like well I always wanted to do the best and I wanted to be effective and do things well and I learned that you know if I wanted to get things done or I wanted to you know have a good social outcome that it was kind of like the catch more flies with honey than vinegar thing so I learned to yeah. filter myself and I learned how to be softer and diplomatic and not say just what popped into my head, but to put it through the the filter because that felt like it was going to get me to my goal faster than like being blunt would. I would have to, you know, walk it back and yeah. apologize and jump through all these extra hoops that I learned really quickly. Being a girl, I needed to say things differently to be effective. And so there's a lot of mistyping and misguessing of how I operate from people because I learned really early on how to like, manipulate the way I show up to achieve the outcome I want to achieve, but still feel like I'm being true to like what I'm about. So just kind of yeah. another note is like why you shouldn't type people because you don't know. But yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 a purist on it. I'm pretty I'm pretty anti-typing just because there's just the motivation thing. And because I think it becomes more difficult for people to talk mm -hmm. about their number if they, you know, if they feel like, I think it can cause some strain in the Enneagram, Enneagram conversation if you start by yeah. typing them. I don't, I'm still thankful those people guessed for me. Right. Because sure. it actually helped me understand the Enneagram sure. more because I asked them. Do you know what I mean? Like I asked them, asked them why. So the, the next one, the next type though is the nine, which is the peacemaker or, or mediator. And so the core motivation of a nine is to really maintain peace and harmony. They want to get, get away from all that conflict and tension, you know, and this comes from a childhood wound, most likely of not feeling harmony, probably in their home or a sense of disconnection. <clears throat> so these, these, these nines are known, these peacemakers. I mean, think about people in your life you you think of as a as a peacemaker they're really known for just easygoing nature and a desire for harmony and that they're able to see tons of different perspectives and hopefully help other people do the same and so they of course they just have a, an ample amount of empathy and understanding to really tune into not only their emotions but yours to understand your point of view maybe to help translate your point of view to others actually they normally would have that because they are great at conflict resolution they can figure out where there's tension and start diffusing it, see both sides of an issue and try to find 
common ground. And so you think about people who are great med- you know, negotiators, they probably, they, there's a good chance they might have some nine in them, or they might be a nine. They're very adaptable and flexible. They're go with the flow individuals. And, and that's why a lot of times they can be typed. They're one of the most mistyped. They are, they say, they say that nines are all the numbers. They, they are all the numbers and only the one number. Like they, they, we all have a little bit of all of it, but they tend to lean into all the numbers more because they're adapting in order to create peace in all these situations. So they're not afraid to step outside their comfort zone or outside their number. <laughs> and if that's what it takes to create peace. So they are very creative and imaginative. They've, they have, but they also tend to have like a calmness to them, a serenity about them. They're not easily ruffled by stress or, or adversity because they're constantly, when they see that, they're like, okay, here's how I help us get through this. So they become more like a three when they, when they are healthy, which means that they can sometimes be, they can become more assertive, more present, more energetic, which honestly, you can see how that could work in helping solve conflicts and in communal situations or at work or in a marriage. So some areas for growth though, they really, you know, have a hard time connecting with their inner self. Um, so areas of growth or pain to watch for with nines, um, you know, they really prioritize the comfort and needs of others. Um, and so they are going to put their self aside. So they really need to connect, you know, to their inner self. Um, and they, they probably need someone's help to do that. Um, a good friend, a counselor, whatever. They need somebody who's going to help them do that. They also need to see that, you know, peace isn't always the ultimate goal. Sometimes you need to go through conflict in order to grow and more fully understand each other. So to understand that sometimes conflict is a transit we need, it's a ride we need to take. I I always say, I'm a big community person, you know that, Lindsay. I always say community without conflict is fake community because the only way to true community is through conflict because it will emerge. And so you're either avoiding it you know, or you're, or you're doing, and if you're avoiding it, then you're actually not truly understanding one another authentically. Right. And it's not real peace, I feel like is one thing that I've kind of learned. I mean, my brother is a nine and I definitely have a lot of nine wing tendencies. Like I said, I'm kind of an even split depending on the type of situation. I also, you know, have a lot of those like have had to figure out some of those like boundary things where like I don't want to bring up a situation because like, oh, I don't want to make it weird. And I'm like, then I realized, well, it's already weird for me. Like it's weird for me. That's why I'm thinking about it. So like it's not real peace if I don't bring it up. Like I should let them have the opportunity to address it. If they then decide to do nothing about it, that's a whole other story. But like, it's not real peace if like you're sitting with it, but like nines can tend to think I that like, I'll just absorb whatever discomfort is for me because I just want the room to feel peaceful. Like, and I'll just yep. deal with whatever I'm dealing with. And that, that can lead to not feeling like you, because sometimes, you know, you'll find out about things then way later. You're like, well, I didn't know that was a problem. I would have loved to fix that. Like, you know, and yeah. that that's not really fair to those people they're in relationship with sometimes. Yeah. And and it it can also lead to nines being, you know, another, you know, area of growth or pain is it can lead to them being passive aggressive because they don't want to directly deal with the conflict. They want to suppress their anger. And so they just kind of become passive aggressive at times. 
so really, you know, unhealthy unhealthy nines look like sixes. The 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 struggle side of sixes, which is they become more anxious, suspicious, mm-hmm. of, suspicious of others. They get more worried and self doubting mm-hmm. or defensive. Mm-hmm. But these nines, man, we need them in our lives. And some characters in in the movies, I I, I go to Marvel a lot to think about someone there. But Vision, mm-hmm. Vision isn't a human. But if robots had had motivations, you know, <laughs> motivations, I think Vision's probably a nine. He tends to play that role. But I'm going to go with another controversy, which this makes sense because nines can look like any other number, but I'm going with Harry Potter. Love it. He is forced. This is my take, my hot take on on Harry Potter. He's forced into conflicts because of Voldemort, but he is motivated to bring peace. So early on in Harry Potter, you know, you see he doesn't want to enter the Triwizard Tournament. You see his relationship with Cho when he knows that she want he wants to break up with her, but like is going through all these different ways to get to class. These are classic Enneagram Nine traits of avoidance of conflict. But there's this iconic moment where Harry Potter obtains the Elder wand and he clearly doesn't want it and so what's he do he breaks it in half i remember i i didn't read the books i watched the movie but i was like no there's so much you can do so much good with that but for him he he he's trying to overcome conflict and death and all of that Mm -hmm. and so he breaks this wand and and i heard my wife made sure i knew that in the book he like does something different like buries it or something but no matter what the point is in both in both things, he gets rid of this source of power mm-hmm. and conflict mm-hmm. because his desire is to bring peace. So that's that's my hot take. I don't disagree with that at all. I wouldn't have thought about that, but to be honest, I really haven't thought about Harry Potter's personality before, but I think that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's definitely a leading character that more has his like scenario or his hero's journey kind of thrown at him rather than necessarily chosen which yeah. can be very nine kind of thing yeah. um yeah. but uh, harry would be nowhere without his bestie hermione who leads us to our next type which i believe <laughs> she is a type one so the type one is the type that i am which we've mentioned they are called the perfectionist or the reformer i've also heard it called the improver i think i like the improver better because or reformer reformer can be good but the perfectionist feels a little power packed basically the underlying message that that a lot of us ones got as kids were, you need to be better than you are. Like no matter what you're doing, it needs to be better. So there's this like constant need to improve and perfect because we felt like we were getting a lot of critical feedback and that feedback feels like disconnection in a lot of ways. And so like trying to avoid that critique, trying to like be beyond reproach, so to speak. That the things that we're good at is like, we have really high standards and you know we are who we say we are like you know integrity is really important to us we're very reliable we're very conscientious very analytical good with problem solving pretty self-disciplined and definitely desire to like keep improving things we don't just like good enough is like not good enough like we're gonna find there's probably a better or more interesting way to to solve that problem but you know in healthy versions which i've kind of alluded to before is you know we learn to 
integrate that into a little bit more flexibility and openness. And so then we kind of bring all those skills along. And you know what? I plan the best dang vacations. Just like, you know, (laughs) I am, I, I turn on my like seven side of like, what could we do? What would be the most fun? Like what would be, you know, a cool, weird idea. And like that seven side of me to plan the fun is, is like, we have a good time on vacation. So pretty easy to see where we can get stuck. We can be critical and judgmental. Hmm. We can get a little stuck in our ways. We also can be workaholics and forget to take care of ourselves or think that the work or the thing or the chore or whatever is more important than rest. We are not very good at rest either. And we can also have difficulty expressing our emotions. The only reason I'm really good at it is because of the program that I picked, which was I decided to do my master's in counseling. And I'm a one, so I'm going to do what it takes (sighs) to do to be the best. I'm going to do it the right way. So you tell me I can't take my clients any deeper than I've gone myself. Well, I guess I'm going to have to go deep. So like all these self-reflection papers, all these like, you know, mandatory number of sessions we had to do ourselves so we knew what it was like to sit in the chair. Like I full committed because I'm going to do this right and I'm going to be the best staying counselor for these people that I can be. And it probably was the only way that you ever would have gotten me to commit that hard to self-exploration was through like a achiever type task because it it definitely sandpapered off a lot of those edges and helped me connect better with myself in a way that I feel like has helped me navigate some difficult situations since then. But yeah, if we are unhealthy, we can get into the four though, which is we can we can get too stuck in our feelings and we um you know we're just like kind of all feeling all the time and like but see the thing with me is like that's different than a four where like they might like to stay in that space i my oneness gets tired of my fourness like it's like mm. all right we've sat here long enough like <sighs> let's let's move on we've got some stuff to you know like it'll kind of pull me out of it like i get i get irritated with it after a while but like i've yeah. learned to find find the healthy balance of like how long do you need to sit with it versus like maybe what's ruminating and not helpful. I think it's a balance. I think because there is a level of being too impatient with it because I do think those moments are built to help slow us down when we're in a season of stress and we need them. Um, Like I, I need rest and I need to sit and think about how I feel so that I don't just keep like burning the candle at both ends kind of thing. Um, But I definitely have a moment where like I don't want to get stuck in that. Like I don't want to be like in that forever and just like let that overtake me. I think the characters, you know, I already mentioned Hermione in that Hermione is one of those characters because these are movies and they start out when they're like kids, kids like mm-hmm. it's like watching myself when I was 10 and it is so cringy. Like it oh is like I get physically uncomfortable watching the first couple movies with Hermione being the way she is because I I, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. But uh, like, so, but also, you know, another character that's like, I definitely relate to is Elsa. And like, I feel like the Frozen movies have done a really cool job of showing like a growth journey of a one in a way that's very like, uh, I don't know, kind of deep. Like, you know, the first one is maybe like step one or layer one of just like even opening herself up to the possibility that she doesn't have to feel confined and perfect and like keeping everything inside and on her own. And then, then she learns to kind of be more vulnerable and even a little more adventurous. 
I feel like in the second one where she's kind of growing into that seven, like she's gotten a little more comfortable being herself and being a one and being like in community because there's a lot of times where as a one, you maybe don't want to be seen because you're not like it might not be perfect. Like, you know, and like there's a piece of how do I want to put it? Like I take a while to decide what parts of my personality you might be okay with and how much of it I'm going to show you because I don't want you to not like it or to be critical of it. And so it takes me a minute to like put my guard down and like just let myself be who I am. So like I remember an example of this was when I started working at MVNU. I didn't know who's my good friend now, Trisha, very well at the time, but she was my boss and I didn't know her super well. And she was coming in to the office and just talking to me about, I think it was fall and she was talking about pumpkin spice and she got a pumpkin spice latte. And like, I just wasn't thinking because I was still very reserved at work at this point. And I said, yeah, that's one of those basic white girl memos. I just didn't get. I don't <laughs> like pumpkin spice. And I just, it flopped out and I was like, oh, oh you goodness. just put that out there. And she busted up laughing and then I was like I didn't mean to be that <laughs> mean just then but I was and I'm glad it went well because like oh, that was a goodness. little premature you know what I mean like but yeah it's I think it is like that like you know we're afraid even personally probably more I maybe not more I don't know I feel like as a female I I think about what people think of my personality potentially more than maybe a male might be worried about maybe that's not true I don't know but definitely like that like guardedness I feel like that's Elsa in the first movie and then in the second one she's kind of let people into who she is and then she's like confident because of that enough to like kind of put on this seven adventurousness and like go do a thing like that's very outside of her comfort zone it's very like different it's very yeah I just adventurous is the word I keep coming back to but like her arc I feel like is one that I've really related to and also the like two thing like having some good two friends in my life and the Anna two relationship with a one is very it's one of those like I feel like twos and ones can find each other a lot and have to be a little bit careful of how we how we navigate that together. But yeah, I have to um, I have to watch Frozen again and and watch the yeah. journey. Yeah, it's I mean I just remember because it came out in 2013 and I was like this is this movie is for me and like feeling like really seen. Everyone loves Let It Go, but I was like, gosh, these words are pointed and so. Just that like, you know, like trying to trying to figure out how to be yourself, but like not always knowing how and like just deciding to kind of say screw it and like <laughs> just do it, um, I think was just like a super cool thing to see. That's definitely one of the movies that I feel like as a one I relate to the most um, are those Frozen movies. But yeah, that's it. That's the last type it. that we, we landed on me. I didn't do that on purpose. But yeah, so it's anything we didn't talk about that you would like to like circle back to or that you were thinking about while we were talking there i just think like you know that the main thing i think of just resources like for people to dive in and explore the enneagram you know i i talked about the book the road back to you by ian cron Mm -hmm. and suzanne stabile but Mm -hmm. there's so many other ones and i can definitely pull together some show notes so that people have some links to to different books and and things like that because it is it can be a little bit like where do i start and you know we did kind of i blatantly told everyone at the start don't take a test don't do it 
Yeah. Because I just feel like the this is so much more about what feels true and questions can't really get to that as well as like they tend to target more surfacey level things. And I haven't really had someone in my life that's taken a test that's gotten the right outcome where they ended up landing once they started like reading mm. and researching more. Yeah. So I think it's it can be hard for types like ours to want to do that because we want the answer and a test is a really efficient <laughs> way to get an answer. I resisted. But uh, yeah, but but definitely like just I think trying them on, you know, and and you might be able to even like I feel like the book you mentioned, The Road Back to You is a really good one because it's kind of got these yep. like quick hits at the start of the chapters. You can kind of go through and say, not that one, not that one, you know, like and like process of elimination was kind of how I had to start because I had no idea. And then you can yep. kind of say, okay, maybe it's these three. And then you really are only reading three chapters and not a whole book. And then you can kind of try them on. But I do think it's, I also think to the point of this whole process, like, yeah, efficiency, but like learning more about yourself and how to be a better human for yourself and for the world and for the people in your life is worth investing the time in. For sure. And so, but we, we tend to not value those things as much as like something that can be explicitly seen as productive, but like this is covertly productive. It will make your life yeah. better. So it's worth it. Takeaways. It's important to learn about yourself and it's also important to be compassionate towards yourself and others. It is worth investing the time. Thank you, James, for investing the time in this conversation with me today. It was super yeah. fun. Yep. And we'll have to you know, do it again sometime with, with maybe a, a movie that we talked about today. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for sticking with us to the end. I know these last two episodes have been a bit different, but I hope that they were helpful for you and that you learned something and that you enjoyed them. And I hope to see you next time. Thanks.